Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Risk! Hello, kids. This is Risk, the show where people tell true stories they never thought they'd dare to share. I'm Kevin Allison, and every Thursday, we release these special episodes that we're calling Classic Risk Singles. Each of these episodes features just one story from our earlier years. If you're new to Risk, you should know that the podcast can be very uncensored. This week, a story that Wyatt Sinek first shared on the show in June of 2011. Here's Wyatt now with a story we call Run Away. I, uh, I also, like Mike, was supposed to do this show a while back, and I bailed out. And I think I was supposed to do the one uh, Eureka, which that one I actually had stuff for. Like I was like, oh, I could talk for an hour about the sci-fi television show Eureka. <laughs> lots of stuff about that. A town full of scientists, why is it not more interesting? <laughs> but instead, I, I agreed to do this, and uh, joy was the topic. And joy is, it's kind of a tough one for me. Um, only because, like, I don't, I don't have, like, a lot of moments I can think of as, like, oh, that's a joyous moment. Like, I don't have, like, great moments of joy that I think to... And, like, I've never had those, and I, I never really grew up with those. Like, my parents aren't, like, Vulcans or anything, but, like, we just weren't, like, celebratory people in that way. Like, it was, I, I don't know, for some reason, I guess for me, like, I always kind of saw growing up, my, my thought process was, like, oh, well, like, you don't want to be, like, overly celebratory because, like, joy leads to hubris, and hubris leads to hate, and hate leads to fear, and fear leads to the dark side. And... <laughs> I know that I just made a Star Wars reference after I made a Star Trek reference. And <laughs> fuck you. <laughs> but I was just, I was never that person. Like, I'm a person, like, I love sports, but when I see, like, my team score a touchdown and there's, like, a celebratory dance, I always cringe. Like, I know, 
Like, I know I'm going to be that old man at an Eagles game that's just going to be like, act like you've been there before, but I'll, like, mutter it under my breath because even yelling it is, like, too much of a show. Like, I, like even, like, I just, I don't go to weddings because, like, I feel like even that's, like, too much. Like, oh, yeah, it's great that you all found love in each other's arms and that's wonderful that you found each other, but at the same time, like, half of all weddings end in divorce and... I'm not wishing any bad on you. I just don't know if this is the most appropriate time to do the electric slide. Like maybe after you've been married for like 50 years, then it's appropriate. Now it just seems showboaty. So I say all that because I don't have a lot of moments of joy that I can think to, but I have one from when I was in high school and I was 17 years old and I went to an all-boys Catholic high school, and one of the selling points to my parents for this school was that they promised to turn your boy into a man, that they would make a man out of your boy. And so my parents ate it up like catnip and sent me there. And the way they would do this is they would have retreats. They would send you on retreats every year, freshman year, sophomore year, junior year, senior year, you would go on a retreat where you and some priests would go out in the woods where like nobody could find you and they'd share secrets with you. Which it's amazing to think that there was a time when like people were okay with letting their children wander off into the forest with priests where no one else could hear. And they were just like, yeah, that seems safe. Get in that rusty van and go with, go with the good father in faith. But that's what we would do, we would have these retreats. So every, every year you'd go on this retreat and you'd go out into the woods and it's just like a day long thing. And we'd go out there and get to the woods and we watch the great Santini. And that was the priest's idea of sharing the secrets of manhood to you, was that they took you to the woods and made you watch a movie. <laughs> that we could have just saved on gas money and watched back at school, because we did nothing else but just go out there, eat stew, and watch the great Santini, and then like a priest said a prayer, and that was it. And they did this every year. Freshman year, you saw the great Santini. Sophomore year, you went back out into the woods and you watched the great Santini. Junior year, guess what? You're watching the great Santini again. And that's all it was, was just somehow watch this movie and, you know, figure out manhood in Robert Duvall having some sort of crazy mixed up feelings about his mortality because his son just beat him in basketball. Like, that's what we were supposed to learn from. So senior year rolled around and it was like, it's time for senior retreat. And the one thing I knew about the senior retreat was that it was three days long. And I was like, shit, I don't want to watch The Great Santini. <laughs> for three days straight. <laughs> That's terrible. And so I wasn't looking forward to it. And then eventually I found out, like some, the priests, like they pulled us aside and they said, uh, since you're seniors, you're, you're men now and you get to choose what you want to do for your retreat. And so each kid got to individually choose what they wanted to do and there were three options. And the first option was you would go camping. So a bunch of you would go camping with some priests. And I wasn't really into camping, so I was like, meh, no. And then the second option was like you volunteered on a farm, and like as a black dude, I feel like 
doing free labor at a farm just isn't a good look. Like, I don't care if it's volunteer work. It's just not a good look. Like, so I was like, I don't want to do that one. So the next option, the last option was a silent retreat. And you would spend three days in this, like, commune where you would, like, hike and there was, like, a creek and there was, like, all these open fields and the only thing was you couldn't talk. And so I was like, all right, that seems easy enough. So I was like, I'll do that. I'll do the silent retreat. So I went to the silent retreat and it was actually, like, it was really pretty. Like, you go out and there's a creek and you go hiking and, like, it's really nice and, you, and it's weird when you're somewhere and you don't have to talk because all of a sudden you have no more obligations. Like it's, there's like this great weight that's been lifted off your shoulders because like nobody's expecting anything of you and like you don't owe anybody anything. So you're just like with your own peaceful thoughts. And it was cool, like I'd see like some of the other guys around, like we weren't really supposed to interact. So we'd like run into each other every now and again and like have some like half-ass sign language, like and like shit like that. And so it was cool for the first day. But then the second day rolled around and it's weird because the reason they gave us this option of the silent retreat was to kind of understand what the Catholic priests go through when they have like vows of silence and stuff. And they call it a vow of silence, but what it really is is quitting talking cold turkey. Which, like, when you quit smoking, you at least get, like, nicotine gum or, like, a patch or something like that. But this is just, like, no fucking talking. Like, 17 years of my life, all I've done is talk. And now I can't do it anymore. And I'm starting to have, like, the DTs. And, like, I'm getting irritable and antsy. And I'm just like, ugh. And, like, I don't... I brought a book and I'm just like, ugh, screw you, book. And just, like... And... I'm trying to figure out, like, how am I going to get through these next two days? And I wound up going to the chapel, and it was, like, this cool little, like, dark room where the only light came from this window that was, like, opaque. And I'm sitting there by myself, and there's a part of me that's hoping for some great awakening. Like, some, like, I feel like in high school, I always heard about, like, those great Catholic awakenings and they always kind of promoted that, that that might, you know, send you to the priesthood. And I hadn't totally ruled out, like, becoming a Catholic priest. I wasn't Catholic, but <laughs> I'd seen the priests at my high school, and it was like, I saw them, and I thought, like, they actually have, like, a pretty decent life. Like, they live rent-free, and they get, like, three square meals a day. And I thought about it, and I was like, yeah, I could do that. Like, I, I left the church part out of it, and I was like, I could totally do that, like, live at this school and then just spend all my time in the gym working on my basketball game, and then, like, I'd join the NBA. That was, like, the thought in my head, was that I'd become a Catholic priest and then join the NBA, and then just, like, I just, I figured, like, that would be it. Like, I'd fucking be, like, the pontiff in the paint, and, like, like and nothing happened. I sat in this chapel and there was like, there was no awakening. And the opposite thing happened where I realized how I would get through these next two days, which was by sleeping through them. <laughs> and that's what I decided to do. I decided for the next two days, all I was going to do was sleep. And that's, and like, I'm not exaggerating. Like I would eat food and then I would go back to sleep. 
And if I woke up from a nap, I would go back to sleep. Like I never <laughs> left the bed. If I was asleep, if I was awake in my dreams, I'd force myself to go asleep in my dreams. Like it was just, I'm not waking up for two days straight. And when it was time to go, we're like all outside waiting for the bus and I'm well rested. Like that's <laughs> the most rested I've ever been in my life. And it showed because I was like jittery with like energy. And I'm noticing that like other guys are also like kind of jittery. And I'm, I'm like looking at them and I'm like, and they're like, and I'm realizing like we all fucking bailed on this and we all went to sleep for two days. And we're all just like, there's all this energy and we're like Broncos at like a rodeo stall, just like, and one of the priests is finally like, look, uh, the bus is running late, so if you guys want, you can start talking now. And I think he was hoping that we would have like integrity for his fucking struggle and be like, mm -mm. and instead, we just started screaming. Like, not even words, just, and running and screaming and just like just hugging each other because we finally could speak again and it was like so much joy and like this euphoria just washed over all of us because here's this thing you take for granted the ability to speak and it's taken from you and now all of a sudden you can do it again and I just had like all this energy and excitement and I got back home and my little brother and I we're both home that afternoon. Our folks weren't home yet. And so my little brother and I were there and my little brother went to the kitchen and like made himself a bowl of cereal. And so he's eating cereal in the kitchen and I'm still trying to like come down from this high and get this energy out of my system. And I'm like, I'm looking at TV and I'm like flipping channels and I wound up stopping on Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. And the reason I stopped was because I saw a guy run and do a backflip off a brick wall. And I was looking at it, and in this moment of just like everything that's going in my head, like time is slowing down and I can see things and hear things more clearly, and I look and I understand the mechanics of what he did. That like, oh yeah, he jumps off his right foot and then uses his left foot to both plant and give himself momentum that he uses to sort of go into the backflip and it just does itself. That seems really easy. That's, that's easy, I could do that, I should do that, let's do that. <laughs> and full of joy, I come running down the hallway and into the living room, which was right next to the kitchen where my brother's eating cereal. And I jump off my right foot and my left foot hits the wall and stays there. <laughs> and all the joy leaves my body, very much like all the milk is leaving my little brother's body as he's spitting cereal all over the kitchen table in shock. And there's a hole in the wall. Because what I didn't account for was that he did this on a brick wall. And I did this on drywall. And now I'm totally sobered up and I'm just like, shit, fuck this, like, 
there's a hole in the living room wall. And like my folks, my, my mother and my stepfather are coming home soon. I don't know how to explain this. Because if I told them that like me as a 17 year old sort of man decided to try to do a backflip off their living room wall, like they're gonna have me committed. There's no way I can do that. I can't explain it that way. So I'm like, I have to think of something more plausible. And my little brother and I came up with the idea that, okay, here's a more plausible explanation. I was chasing my little brother through the house. And he slipped and his shoulder fell into the wall because it was about a shoulder-sized hole. And to make sure, we jammed his shoulder in it. Sort of worked it in there so that it fit. And then also, so that way he had like some drywall crumbs on him. So it looked real. And we figured this would be a good way to sort of just spread the blame around between like me, my brother, and the guy who built our house. Like, this is also on you, contractor. And so my parents come home and they're not thrilled. They're not thrilled at all about it. I'm surprised. But they're not very happy. And they didn't, like, we couldn't fix it. Like, it was one of those things where it's like my parents weren't like, okay, let's throw money at this problem. You know, we couldn't pay to fix it. So there's just a hole sitting there reminding me of this moment of joy that I had. And it just sat there. And then a little bit after that, I had a birthday, uh, like a few weeks later. And when I was a little kid, my mother had made this banner. uh, And it was like a 20 by 30 banner. And it said like, happy birthday, Wyatt. And there was like a cake on it. And when I was a little kid, she would hang that up in the living room. So I'd walk out and I'd be like, oh yeah, there's that banner for my birthday. And so now, turning 18, she hangs up this thing that I used to only see as a child on the wall to hide the hole. And it works, and it's up there, you know, it's like my birthday happens, and it's up there for like a week, and then two weeks, and then a month, and then three months, and it stays up for almost a year until my brother's birthday where we replace it with his banner. (laughs) And there's something very weird about having a birthday banner up for like nine months out of the year in the room that your parents entertain people. Because your parents' friends generally don't give a shit about you. Like, they know enough information about you to, like, sort of get that part of the conversation out of the way with your parents. Like, oh, how's Wyatt? He's good. Okay, I don't care. Let's talk about what we really want to talk about, wine. (laughs) And so it was always very weird to be in my house when, like, some of my parents' friends were over and they would see this banner and they'd be like, oh, it's your birthday. Happy birthday. And it's like, no, it's not my birthday. That particular moment of joy that you just felt is actually, it's just a mask for what is a lot of damage underneath. And really, I don't know if this is the most appropriate time 
to tell me happy birthday or to start doing the electric slide. <laughs> so for me, that's joy. Like joy is this great moment of happiness followed by a giant hole in drywall. <laughs> Thank you. That's all for this week's Classic Risk Singles episode. Now, don't miss out on our regular full-length episodes. There's a brand new one every Tuesday. And everything you might want to know about us is at risk-show.com.